I'm glad you're here with us this morning. My name is John Mueller. I'm the lead pastor here at Sunlight Community Church. And we've been continuing a series called Binge Reading the Bible, which this is the last week for Binge Reading the Bible. And if you've been following along with us with our 21 days of prayer and Bible reading, we are really excited about where we're at. This next week is the last week for that. So today, actually, we're supposed to pray for courage. And there's a bunch of different things to pray for courage about. And so we're excited about the, the fact that how many people sign up for that and are being a part of that. And so this is ex- an exciting month. And then we get to the passage today, and I go, I don't know if I want to preach this passage, but this is the most important passage, I think, of the whole section that we've been on. And so if you f- are following along on version, which is the Bible app on your phone, you can go to your Bible app on your phone or your iPad, you tap the Bible app, and then you tap on the right-hand side, there's a button there, and then events, and we have our notes inside of there. Today we're going to be in Hosea chapter 3. In Hosea chapter 3 is an interesting chapter of the Bible, a very interesting chapter of the Bible, and that's why I'm excited to preach it, but I'm also nervous a little bit. So can you deal with my nerves this morning? Because I think all of us, when we read this passage, this, it's definitely a, a, a heavy passage. But first, before we get into the passage and before we go to God, I've got two exciting things to share with you. One exciting thing is that in service last week, two people gave their life to Christ. That's exciting, right? That is really exciting, and I'm excited about that. The second thing, and some of you have, have followed along, so we, we started, we gave in November to a, a water project in Haiti that's close to where A Step for Haiti is doing ministry already with Greg Rathburn, and some of us have been to Haiti in this one specific community, and we gave to that, and there's two other churches that were coming alongside us. One was Pine Hills Kendallville and The Remedy. Both of them were coming alongside us to, to give to that, and they just sent in their offerings this week, and I have to tell you something. I am so excited to tell you that we raised all $35,000 for the project. So I am so excited to tell you that. We just found out this week. And then in addition, it's going to be done by the end of March. That is so soon. I, they already got the materials there. And this is what I want to talk to you about, is they got the materials there before Haiti was basically put in turmoil. And if you followed the news lately, and you, if you Google Haiti, there's been riots there's been people that are leaving the country. Most, uh, most NGOs, most non-governmental organizations or nonprofits have left the country. Christian ministries have left the country. If they're a citizen of another country, they're leaving because people are, there's roadblocks, there's people starving. The State Department in our own country says it's a level four do not travel warning, which is the same for North Korea. Does that give you a perspective? And so it's, it's essentially, you're not supposed to be there, but Here's what I think is, is important for us, that God is going to do something in this situation and we don't sit on the sidelines with that. So I really want to pray for Haiti this morning as we start our service, as we pray for the, the sermon, because there are people just like us that are kicked out of their homes right now. What little they had, they have nothing. And, and we're bringing water, Healing Waters is going to be able to finish that project, and maybe at that point... That's the only, the only water there because stores are being looted and, and all kinds of things are happening like that. So we need to pray for that to end. We need to pray for there some, to be some reconciliation between the government and for the people. And so let's pray for that this morning. Heavenly Father, we just ask in Haiti, Lord, we just pray that you would, you would change the situation. You would allow the, both the government and the people to be reconciled. You would allow the people that are rioting, that have nothing Lord, that you would provide different uh, opportunities for people to go in there and give them food and water. 
Lord, we thank you that this Healing Water Project is still going to be finished. It's a little bit away from most of the writing. Most of the writing is in the Capitol. But, but Lord, we just pray that these protests, these riots, these roadblocks, Lord, just, Lord, that you would take them away so that the people can, can go back to, to working and, and the government can be reconciled with the people. Lord, we pray for this morning. We pray that as we go into your word, we can answer the question, have you been redeemed? We can answer the question that, it, that is burning inside of our souls in our relationship with God. The, the one question that determines our eternal destiny. Lord, let's ask, let's ask this question this morning. And Lord, help us to find that answer as we read Hosea. And in the book of Hosea, we just pray, Lord, that your word would be shown to us, that we would see where we need to grow, where we need to change, and your Holy Spirit would allow us to do that and, and work in us and through us. We say all this in Jesus' name, amen. So have you been redeemed? I know what it's like to be redeemed. I also know what it's like to not be redeemed. It's really easy on a playground to figure out if you're redeemed or not, because you're the last one picked or the first one picked, right? And Hosea here is a perfect example of what it means to be redeemed. And redeemed is not something that you deserve, being redeemed. Hosea was one of the prophets in the Old Testament that had a very specific mission. And I'm going to ask you a question. How many of you have read Hosea? No shame. How many of you read Hosea? Raise your hand. Okay. So less than half of you. Is that fair? Did everyone see? Less than half of you. Hosea is a book that's commonly overlooked. And some of the reasons it might be overlooked is because it's pretty graphic. Um, it's a book that makes us feel somewhat uncomfortable. And so I'm going to have a disclaimer today. Today's sermon is going to be a little bit R-rated, okay? So if you have junior high kids, they can go to Spark. This is the second warning. Go to Spark out in the student center. It, it, these are things that you may have a conversation when you go home. And so that's why I'm a little nervous about the sermon, but I know that the word of God rings true, and this passage specifically is very, very honest about our relationship to God. And I also know that there's a group of people in this room that uh, when you see this group of people this size, that this language that I'm going to use is, might be triggering. Maybe if you were called this at some point in your life. And so I want to be careful for you to understand that I'm going to do my best to describe the context of the words used and the graphic nature, but meaningful words in this passage. And so I, I know that healing can happen or might happen in your life if you've been abused in these ways. So I also know that trauma leaves marks on the brain and the body. So if we can walk through this together, knowing that it's a depiction of how serious God takes our relationship with him. It's very serious to him. But that God is a God of grace, one that forgives and heals us despite our sin and the destruction it leaves in its wake. So the book of Hosea, I'm going to give you some background. The book of Hosea starts in chapter 1, and God speaks to the prophet Hosea. Isn't that the beginning of every prophet? Come on. Okay. So God speaks to Hosea. God gives him instructions, and he says very specific words. And so I'm going to explain why these words are used in just a second. But he says, go get a wife of whoredom. Go get a kid of whoredom. What does God mean here? The people had chased other gods. They hadn't been faithful to God. He doesn't stop there then. He says, your first child will be named Jezreel. So this is summarizing a whole chapter in like two seconds. The reason it's named Jezreel is because the people had killed Jezreel 
And we don't know if that's a prophet or what that is. I looked in the background. But they killed him. The second child will be named No Mercy. Whoa, this is not getting good, right? (laughs) I don't think I like this chapter. Third was Not My People. And then God just calls a spade a spade, and he goes to the second chapter. In the second chapter, he says, I'm going to grant Israel mercy. I'm going to grant you mercy. So in Hosea, we find, in Hosea 3, we find Hosea with his wife, Gomer, in another men's bed somewhere. Before we get in the passage, I think there's a distinction that needs to be noted. Some of your Bibles might use the word prostitute. And so I've looked this up, and I've defined the word. The, the word prostitute literally means taking money for sex, and potentially you've been forced to do that. So sex trafficking. The word whore that's used in the passage in certain translation means you chose that lifestyle and you chose to be promiscuous. So there is a difference here. And I want you to understand, there's no way that Israel was forced to worship other gods. So it's clear that that's not the best word for the situation. They chose other gods. They chose to worship other things. They chose to run away from God. And so they chose this life. And so God now goes to Hosea in chapter 3 and does something that I don't think anyone expected. I don't think Hosea expected what's going to happen next. And Hosea responds to him. So in Hosea chapter 3, God speaks to Hosea. And I want you to know, at this point, it's pretty, pretty depressing for Hosea. He's, he's got kids that are named No Mercy, Not My People. God says he's going to be merciful at the end of chapter 2, and then he says this to him. And I, If Hosea was here today, I think this would be the hardest thing that anyone would have to ha- ever have to do in their life. He's going to go chase after his wife. And the Lord said to me, go again, love a woman who's loved by another man and who is an adulteress, even as the Lord loves the children of Israel, though they turn to other gods and love cakes of raisins. God's got something against raisins. We'll talk about that in a second, okay? So don't eat cakes of raisins. Now everyone's going to go out and throw out all the raisin cakes. Okay. So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver, a homer and a leteth of barley. And I said to her, you must dwell as mine for many days. She shall not play the whore or belong to another man. And so, I, so will I also be to you. For the children of Israel shall dwell many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or pillar, without ephod or household gods. Afterward, the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king, and they shall come in fear to the Lord and to his goodness in the latter days. There's some background information we really need to unpack this passage because sometimes we, we focus in on provocative language. You ever read a book in high school and you only remember that one thing that was more graphic than the rest of the book? I mean, let's be honest, okay? Every English class has one book where you're like, oh, I remember this. And so we need, to, we need to look at the bigger picture here, and we need to have an eye open to what God's doing. So first things first, Hosea is sent to Gomer a second time. So he's already married her, and she was already sleeping around, okay? So he's going to her a second time. This is after she's already left him again. And God doesn't just say to marry her. That's one thing. That's a, that's a covenant. That's a contract. But he says, love her like God loves Israel. Love someone that's stepping on your heart. Love someone that's running away from you. Love, the, love this person that's, that's going away every time they can. The people of Israel are cheating on God, and, and God doesn't hate raisins, in case you didn't know. These cakes of raisins were part of worshiping idols, and they were used as sacrifices. So it's saying, 
don't run back to these cakes of raisins that you're worshiping other gods with because I don't need raisins. I've already told you, and if you look at the first five books of the New Testament, I've already told you what you need to offer to me. They were worshiping everything but God, and God still loves them. Sometimes we hear the message that there's the Old Testament that God's like really, really strong and hates us and, you know, and then the God of love comes in the New Testament. No, God still loves them here. Why is he having Hosea chase after Gomer if he didn't love him? And he's saying, that's how you are, but I'm still following you and pursuing you. And so he doesn't just, God loves us not just out of obligation, but there's a covenant. And then in verse two, Hosea parallels God's actions towards, towards us to buy Gomer back. He walks up, and, and Hosea, I can just imagine how this went. He walks up to whoever owns Gomer at this point, to the madam, to the pimp, and says, hey, I want to buy you back. I'm, I'm gonna buy my wife back. Why would you want your wife back? She ran off on you. Can you imagine the conversation that was happening at that point? Like, why would she ever want you? No, she doesn't wanna go back with you, and I'll pay whatever price it takes to get my wife back. I'm taking her back. Gomer, at this point, doesn't feel her true worth. I want you to remember that. So I actually made a slide for this. Gomer, Gomer isn't feeling her true worth. And you know why Gomer isn't feeling her true worth? It's because she's listened to what people have called her. And maybe, maybe that word, like I said, is a trigger word for you. You've listened to what people have told you you are rather than listening to the God of the universe that says you have inherent value, that he loves you and wants to pursue you. And that is, maybe you're listening to everyone else. So she doesn't feel her true worth, so she's left her husband time after time chasing other men. And I want to tell you right here, the church is the bride of Christ. It's a direct connection. Just like Gomer is Hosea's bride, we spend time chasing other gods. I almost brought this big, ugly tube TV up here and took a bat to it, but I was overruled when I realized there's chemicals and glass and stuff. I was just going to take a bat to it because really, the reality is we chase anything to get our mind off what we're really struggling with when God says, run to me with what you're struggling with. And so in verse two, if you take the barley and the 15 shekels, did some research on this and it's actually about 30 shekels, which 30 shekels is used commonly in the Bible, but it's the specific price to buy back a slave. There's no coincidence here. This is not a coincidence that Judas was paid 30 shekels for Jesus. 30 shekels. He, he, he was paid 30 shekels to betray Jesus. And Hosea pays the equivalent of 30 shekels for Gomer. Hosea pays the same price for Gomer that Jesus was sold for by Judas, that Judas sold Jesus for. That's, that's a big deal. The price paid for a person at that time was 30 shekels. The price paid when we, Jesus, Jesus paid this price when we were chasing other gods, other things, other relationships. You know, if, if, you, if you think about the last 50 years, like people would be like, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, right? So the, the power, it all fade. Drugs will all fade. Sex will fade. The price Jesus paid was eternal. It wasn't just about that one-time event on the cross. As you look back at this cross, Many of you conjured different ideas of what that looked like that day. It wasn't about that day. It was about all of eternity. So, really, if, if you hear one thing from me this morning, one thing, hear this. 
Stop chasing earthly pleasures and return to God. There are ways that we get so numb in our lives that we don't remember what we need to pursue. And God gives clarity here. God gives clarity about his relationship with the people of Israel. You can't go sleeping around and worshiping other gods. That's what it is. You can't go worship other gods. I'm your God. And he says some things here. So Hosea buys back Gomer, and then he says some things. He sets her straight. You can't go on in this life. You can't do what you've been doing, because guess what? What you've been doing is not right. No more sleeping around. No more. He actually used the word. That's when he says, no more playing the whore. You notice he says playing? And I, I read a lot about this. And it's the idea that no one is really that. It's the reality that we're playing something we're not because God's given us inherent value. And then he says something that we have to remember. If Hosea's relationship to Gomer parallels ours with God, he says, I'm going to stay with you. I'm going to stay with you. I would say the most common reason that I've had people that I've counseled or, or have come to me about something that have gotten divorced is because of adultery. And we cheat on God all the time, but he takes us back. We just talked recently about repentance. We turn around. We turn to him. He's still there. And Hosea says some more. He says, I'm going to be your husband. I chased you out of this den with horrific sin, and I love you enough to chase you down and pay the price. He doesn't just chase us down. He pays the price. And so right after this, Hosea confesses his love to a woman that committed repeated adultery. And then there, there's a pivot. Because imagine you're Israel at this point. You're like, oh, yeah, okay, we're off scot-free. We're good. And then there's a pivot that rocks the world. And it should rock our world today. Guess what, people of Israel? We're Gomer. Guess what, church? We struggle with being Gomer. Guess what? We've played that, that game. We've given ourselves to other gods. And God says for many days, it wasn't just a few days. If you're reading verse 4, it says many days. Hosea was written approximately around 800 B.C. Jesus comes at approximately 30 A.D., which is actually, I mean, I'm giving you approximations, but it's actually 30 years sooner. But so he, he's around that time period. And then there's 400 years of silence between Malachi and the first gospel in writing. And so Jesus was coming, and that's what we see in verse 5, but, and they waited almost 800 years from when this was written. Imagine sitting and stewing on this your whole life. Like, what if you just read Hosea and you're like, what God is this? He's going to take me back no matter what I do. He's going to love me no matter what I do. But then he says this, and God's very specific here. And so you read the next verse, and he's telling them not to chase anything they'd previously been drawn to. So he says, he talks about this pillar. Well, a pillar was only erected for pagan gods. There were pillars up in the community, and it was literally a pillar that you would bow before and you worship. They would do all kinds of things for these pillars. And it wasn't legitimate worship of the one true God. And then it would talk about the ephod and the household gods, which would be the equivalent of going to a psychic. You'd stand before an idol, and you say, please tell me what I need to do. Please tell me what I need to do. And they would pay a fee 
to these pagan gods to hear from the gods. It's like going to a psychic. Now we just call that the spirits, but it's the same thing. God doesn't give real answers to any of these psychics because they're running after other things. God's like, the answer is right here. Look at Hosea, look at Gomer. You are Gomer, I'm Hosea, and I'm always gonna take you back. End of story. So verse four, they're chasing all these other things. And they really, they really essentially want to be like the rest of the world. Do we want to be like the rest of the world? Can I get an amen? Because sometimes we do. We want to be like the rest of the world. So we chase after the world. And we follow their gods. Drugs, sex, money, prestige, power. We chase after that. So we need to stop chasing these earthly pleasures and return to God. And so I have a couple questions, and I have some fill-in-the-blanks. So if you're taking notes, this is the perfect time to write this down. So put stop chasing blank, put a blank space, and return to God. I'm going to have you fill that in. Stop worshiping blank and return to God. So what have you been chasing instead of God? Let's do an exercise. Fill in that blank. So stop chasing blank and return to God. What have you been chasing? Tell yourself what you need to stop chasing. Stop chasing what and return to God. Stop worshiping what and return to God. You ever feel disconnected in life? I felt disconnected before. And sometimes we we chase after so many other things that we get lose sight of, that we don't understand. So what do you turn to instead of God? We talked a little bit about that last week. But in Hosea's case, do you, do you feel like God is chasing and pursuing you even though you've run from him before? I, I, I want to read this last verse. One more time. Because we need to remember this. Afterward, this afterward is after hundreds of years. They didn't know it was going to be hundreds of years, but it was. Afterward, the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. And they shall come in fear to the Lord and to his goodness in the latter days. We're going to go in a time machine this morning and go to the start of verse 5. And get to first century Israel. And Jesus comes. He comes to save the people that have chased everything but him. That have run in the opposite direction. That are not going the right way in the race. They're going, where are you going? What is going on? They're chasing. They're going so much in the other direction. And then Jesus paid the price for us to be redeemed. He was sold for 30 shekels of silver. Gomer was bought for the same price. We were bought out of slavery to sin into eternal life. It says in verse 5 that they're going to return to God. Have you returned to God yet? Maybe, maybe you sat here every Sunday morning and you're like, Pastor John, I hear it every week. Yep, return to God. All right, check that off. It's not a check sheet. What it is specifically is places that you've run from him, you run to him. Instead of running away, you're running to him. It says they will seek him. 
We're seeking him this month. We're saying, I'm gonna read for 21 days with everyone in church, and I encourage you, after church today, because we, a, lot, a majority of the people in here have, have at some point been reading on this reading plan. I encourage you to have one conversation about the reading plan. Seek him. See what other people are doing. Because if you're reading along together, we're in this together. It's not just one of us or some of us. And then it says they will fear him and his goodness. God is good. He is right. He's true. And we're going to fear him because he's so good, we don't know what to do with it. You ever get a gift and you want to give it back because you don't, don't feel you deserve it? Remember, Gomer isn't feeling his, her worth. Maybe you're not feeling your worth. The gift that God's given you is to use for his glory. We must return and seek the Lord. Get into his word and to pray. And we need something to do that. We need the Holy Spirit to change us. We can't forget about the Holy Spirit because otherwise it's just a bunch of do's and don'ts, a check sheet that we forget. And Hosea didn't have a check sheet. He had to go into a room and purchase his wife. So much. Can you imagine the pain on that day? Where he went there because God had told him to because that's what God did for you. When you were lost in sin and death and destruction, he came and he redeemed you. When you chose that life, but then he came and he loved you and he paid the price for you. Is there a better time than now to return to his word? There's not a better time. God wants us, wants today to be a new day to return to God, that we would seek him. So I'm gonna give you some, some questions here. It's from this book. I'd highly recommend it. it. There's a handout actually in your bulletin, I believe, about this. There's four questions when we read the Bible. Four questions to ask yourself. It's from this book. This is a, a book called Asking the Right Questions, A Practical Guide to Understanding the Bible. You can purchase this, and basically you'll get the questions that are in the handout. So... I already gave it to you. I got approval too from the author. So this is such a great opportunity. Ask these four questions when you read the Bible. What do we learn about God? What do we learn about people? What do we learn about relating to God? And what do we learn about relating to others? Those are the questions. Reading the Bible is not just words on a page. It's the living, breathing word of God that we need to apply to our lives. Today, you may be asking, why did I pick Hosea 3? It's a perfect example of the, the redemptive quality of our God. He's redeemed us. He went and paid the price and took us even though we chased other things. Hosea is a perfect example of that. But we as a church, we can't shy away from the, the, the graphicness and brutality of our world. We need to redeem that. And so four questions when you apply the Bible... What does God want me to think or understand? What does God want me to believe? What does God want me to desire? That's a hard one. Sometimes we desire the wrong thing. What does God want me to desire? And what does God want me to do? God loves us and receives us. We sang earlier, oh, how he loves us. 
And he receives us even when we chased other gods our whole lives. And most of us probably would say, I've never had idols in my house. I don't worship things. I don't, you know. How much time do you spend with God in relation to how much time you spend with a phone or a TV? You know, the the thing Apple's done with their new phones, the screen time thing, scares me, okay? It tells you how long you're spending on your phone for the whole week. Like, how many, average a day when you're on the, the phone, and you start realizing that we have lots of gods in our life that we, we don't realize are gods. He's waiting for us to return him. And sometimes we'll return to him and maybe it's in tears or in anger or we're wrestling with something. But God loves us more than any of our sin because of Jesus. We just need to run to him and return to him. We have a savior that died and was raised to life. He paid the price while we were running around like Gomer, chasing other things, worshiping other things. And so I have a question this morning, and I want to close with this. What do you keep running to? What do you keep returning to? And the reason I ask you these questions in the sermon is I don't want Sunday school answers. I want you to actually think about that question and actually realize, what am I returning to? What what am I running to? And if that doesn't align with with those questions, what does God want me to think and understand in this passage? What does God want me to believe? What does God want me to desire? And what does God want me to do? If it doesn't align with those questions, maybe this morning is a time you have time with God as we continue to worship. Maybe it's a time where you come forward and you, you pray. Maybe today's the day something is different. Maybe you're not feeling your worth, but God has given you worth. And he loves you. He's willing to go in any drug-infested place, any place filled with sin, and chase you down because he loves you. Because Jesus died on a cross paying for you. The price is already paid. You just have to return to him. Heavenly Father, I don't think anyone in here, including myself, wants to be called Gomer right now. But God, we all are. It's because you've said that. Every single one of us at at some point in our life has run away, has, has chased other gods. Maybe that's us right now. Maybe this is our first time in church and we're just wondering what's going on. God, when I was a kid, I wasn't even allowed to say that. Allowed to describe what Gomer was doing, but the reality is we've chosen to run from you. And today's the day we need to return to you. We need to be in your word. We need to be praying for each other. We need to encourage each other. But Heavenly Father, we know even though there's, there's graphic, bold words in the Bible, Lord, that those words do not describe who we are. We were playing something that was not who we were and who we are. And God, you have given us so much value, but it's only because of your son, Jesus Christ, that we can even have a relationship with you. So I pray this morning, those that are running from God, that they would return to you that they would, they would just like that moment when, when Gomer was able to see Hosea come in the room and pay the price, that we would have a moment like that in our life. 
that God, you would open our eyes to if we've been redeemed. God, redeem us this morning. Lord, we pray this in in the, the precious name of Jesus.